Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, the Sabres fell to the Vancouver Canucks 1-0 on a windy and snowy Friday night game that saw Thatcher Demko pick up the shutout. The Sabres played a sound defensive game in this one, shutting down the Canucks' high-powered top line of JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, and Brock Besser, doing so while playing the latter half of the game with just five defensemen after losing Matias Samuelson to injury. At one point, they were actually playing with four defensemen, one of which was Zemgis Gergensen's, as Rasmus Dahlin was hit with a nasty elbow that somehow ended up with the Sabres being on the penalty kill due to the ensuing scrum after the hit. The story of the game, though, was that the Sabres were not able to get anything by Thatcher Demko, and it was evident how much they missed Jeff Skinner in this one as he did not play. Some other thoughts. Jack Quinn got his opportunity on the first power play unit with Skinner's absence, as we've been calling for. And while it didn't translate to any goals, I thought that the first unit looked much more dangerous and dynamic with Quinn out there. What was most troubling for me, though, Taylor, was Rasmus Dahlin's comments to Matthew Fairburn, in which he said, quote, I can't really jump into the rushes right now. I have got more. I got to have more responsibility and have to take care of the D zone more. We've talked at length about Darlene's struggles this season, not looking like himself, and this pretty much confirms our worst fears that he's seemingly back to the style of play that ruined his game under Ralph Kruger. That said, Taylor, there's a lot to discuss here, so let's start with your reaction to the Vancouver game. Well, it's kind of symbolic of the season because I think a lot of this season has been, it's been a huge disappointment, but it hasn't been a lot of like, oh, they won three in a row, they look good for this stretch, they look bad for this stretch. It's just been a lot of games and a lot of weeks where it's like you win one, you lose one. And in the individual games themselves, you're not seeing them really click at the same time pretty much ever. So, for example, the reason I say it's symbolic is Ukapekalukanen had a really solid game. And that led to people being like, you know what, he's had a really solid last few games. But you can't find yourself enjoying that during the game because – the other goal is having an even better game because the Sabres are getting shut out again. That's Thatcher Demko in this case, obviously, who's had a good season. And I wouldn't say you would expect the Sabres to be able to beat the Canucks, even at home. But what's really disappointing about it is, aside from all the other controversial stuff that happened, is that their offense looks so feeble again. After, you know, there's a few games where the offense looked like, not like last year, but looked like it was on its path to improvement with a decent amount of guys being healthy and it clearly wasn't case at the end of the game. So it's a pretty frustrating game. 
Could not agree more, Taylor. And the Sabres now are getting ready to face off against the San Jose Sharks and the Chicago Blackhawks, ending what was a 10-game stretch that we had talked about going into it was really the Sabres' best opportunity to get back into the playoff conversation in a very serious way. We had said that in that 10-game stretch that started off with the Boston game that we felt as though the Sabres needed to win seven games at a minimum, but most likely eight games. And now through this stretch, the Sabres are four and four. Again, just another microcosm of what has been just such a mid-season for them. You know, you had made the point there. It's not as though they have have gone on any win streaks or anything like that. And at the same time, it's not as though that they've had any significant, uh, any series of of significant losing streaks for that matter. You know, it's like win one, lose two, win one, lose three, you know, here and there. But it felt like with every time you get a, a loss or two, you're still getting a win on the other side of that. And we had talked about how last episode, not only does that, kind of kill the momentum for the team during the season, but it's just indicative of this bigger picture conversation that is being had throughout Buffalo that it says a lot that this team isn't able to string together any kind of winning streak here, anything of substance. They've only had two, two game winning streaks this year, and that's not going to get you into the playoffs. Now, don't get me wrong. Vancouver is obviously a great team. One of the NHL's best uh, they have been fantastic this year. Their their top line, as we talked about, has just been unbelievable. Quinn Hughes is having a Norris-worthy season. Thatcher Demko has completely bounced back, really makes us wish that the, the Sabres would have went after him when he was seemingly being made available yeah. last year. <laughs> That'd be nice right about now. But again, Taylor, now we're looking at 4-4 four and four through this 10-game stretch, and you're ending things with games against San Jose on Monday and Chicago on Wednesday, two of the NHL's worst teams here. So that being said, Taylor, I mean, is there any way of getting around it that these next two games have to be victories for the Sabres? Uh, I would say, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I would put it this way. Winning both of them means next to nothing. It's good, obviously, but it means very little in terms of getting back in the playoffs, except that losing one of them or both of them or getting only three of four, well, maybe three of four wouldn't be a death knell. But the other two would just lead you further to the point that uh, the season's pretty much over, I would say, if you can't get these games won. These are the two worst teams in the league, and I would say kind of by far. They're 31 and 32. I'm not sure who 30 is, but I think every other team has something going for it. Maybe just a little thing going for it. Or these guys have nothing going for them. You have to win both of these games. It'd be great if you did it convincingly. And if you, if you, I would, I'll put it this way. If you drop a point in these two games, I don't even know. Yeah. That would be basically a disaster. Absolutely. would. I mean, they really can't afford to, as they now sit eight points back of the second place New York Islanders in the wild card race. The, the Islanders have 48 points in 42 games, whereas the Sabres have 40 points through 43 games. So the margin for error now is slim, if non-existent at this point. You know, if you're playing yeah. against, like we've seen from the Sabres, I should take a step back. We've seen from them this year, they have a, the ability to play up to the opponents that they're playing against. That said, they also play down to the teams that they're playing against as well. This is a team that has gone toe-to-toe with some of the best teams in the league and have picked up quality wins against them. It's just that they follow up with these 
just backbreaking losses against teams that they absolutely should be able to beat. And so as you're about to head into this stretch here where you have San Jose and you have Chicago going into then on Saturday, a divisional matchup against Tampa, that is another one that, you know, you just have to get on a run here. And I think that winning these two games handsomely at least can give you a little bit of something heading into that big matchup with Tampa. That said, though, with all of this, I, I just keep going back to what I, I, I think I mentioned it on the episode, an episode uh, a week or two back, maybe a, a couple of weeks back, whatever, that for me to start taking them like actually seriously again, five game winning streak is the bar. Like yeah. you win five in a row, then I'll start to take this thing seriously. And to that point, to get to that place where you are able to win five in a row and go on a run here, you know, obviously it, it doesn't help that Jeff Skinner is out now, but you need to get a little more creative and outside the box with your lineup construction here. And we've been just belaboring this point all year long about the lineup construction. And it goes back to it again, as Granado continued to roll out Rasmus Dahlin and Matias Samuelson together. We've talked at length about the struggles that both of these guys have gone through this year, both of which after signing large contracts and especially in the case of Darleen, it's just been killer for them. Like Samuelson has been worse overall, but it's more impactful in a negative sense that Darleen has not played to the level that he, we know that he is. Now I want to go back to these comments that he made to Matthew Fairburn earlier of the athletic earlier uh, in the week. I believe it, but it was after the game, but it was just him talking about, again, the, the exact quote was, I can't really jump into the rush to rushes right now. I got to have more responsibility and have to take care of the D zone. That's not his job. That's not what his bread and butter is. He was not drafted as a number one overall pick due to the fact that he is a, a, a defensive stalwart. He, he was drafted first overall and has the, the contract that he has, has the notoriety and the stature around the league that he has because he's an offensive defenseman at heart. And he is still able to lead this team while having his focus be on the offensive side of things because of the fact that when he is in that mindset and playing that style of a game, your offense is your best defense. So if you have the puck in the offensive zone the majority of the time, then you're not having to worry about what you're doing in the defensive zone nearly as much because that's where the emphasis of your game is. That being said, we saw how great he was offensively last year. And sure, while there were points that maybe he had his lapses, I didn't feel as though it was, you know, him focusing on the offense was a, a to a detriment to his game and something that needed to change by any stretch of the imagination, because we had talked a lot last year about the fact that in addition to obviously him popping off and having this amazing offensive season, the point production, the play driving, all of that, we were starting to see a little bit more physicality in his game due to that confidence. We were starting to see him be more confident with breaking the puck out of the zone by himself with his passing, all of that, you know, it's because of the fact that he's channeling that confident offensive side of his game that he's comfortable playing and not being put in a position to do something or to be a type of player that he isn't. So what are your thoughts on those comments, Taylor, and how they are reflective of Darlene's struggles this year? Yeah, I think there's a weird idea, and I hope it didn't exist within, within the organization, but these comments make me think it did. That Darlene is kind of 
Dalene is representative of the team last year where the team played really good offense and really bad defense. But that's not true. Dalene played great elite offense and good enough defense. His defense was good last year. He was good. Like, he was great overall. Like, that was not a problem. Totally. It was something that they – it was kind of a phase they almost skipped over because he had his weird Ralph Kruger phase where things were a disaster. But, you know, by last season, it was like, oh, that was totally in the rearview mirror. He was an awesome offensive defenseman that played well in his own zone. There was no problem. There was nothing that had to change. I don't know if, if someone tried to change his approach coming into this year. If that's true, that's a huge mistake. Or if he's just he, – he's having a worse year for whatever reason, whatever variety of reasons, and now he's getting hard on himself and – deciding he needs to be better but it it's it's a weird thing that he can't like i can't be trying to go up on the rush and it's like that's kind of important that you do right it's important you're he's an important part of taking the team from one zone to the other zone which has been a huge problem this year getting through the neutral zone so i i don't very discouraged to hear that but it, i don't know i i'm more discouraged by his play i agree so let me give the full quote here just to, to give further context. In this article that Matthew Fairburn posted to The Athletic, the, the full quote reads as, and I quote, I've been thinking about the last two days here and what the team needs right now is a steady decor, Darlene said after the Sabres morning skate Thursday. Quote, I can't really jump into rushes right now. I got to have more responsibility and I have to take care of the D zone more. It's going to be a little bit different from my side in terms of defensively, but it's what the team needs right now and it's what I'm very excited for. I do not agree with that at all. The team does not need more defense. I, I mean, they played a great defensive game yesterday, but it doesn't matter if you play a great defensive game if at the end of it you're not scoring a goal. You're not scoring any yeah. The I offensive would put it this generation way, the team, isn't there. The team needs to be better on the defensive end of the ice. Of course. Uh, but, but the team doesn't – this is going to sound counterintuitive. The team doesn't need to put more of a focus on defense. I think the problem with what we've seen this season overall, if you could boil down to one thing, is they looked at last year and said we need to be better in our own zone. We need to be a better defensive team. And they got, because of that, they sacrificed a ton of offense and they're not actually better at defense. Now their first month of the season, things are a lot better. Guys like Tage Olsen, way better defensive numbers. I'm not sure if they got figured out or what happened or if that was just a blip, but now like they're giving up a ton of goals. They give up a lot of shots generally uh, last night, notwithstanding. And if you even want to look at their underlying numbers, they're bad. They're bad in basically every way. If you want to look at Corsi, you want to look at expected goals against everything. So it's, it's kind of crazy uh, to look at that and be like, we need to focus more. On you tried to focus more on defense. You might as well just focus on offense. And how much worse could your defense possibly get? Totally. When you are changing your system and it is affecting your offense, that was a top 10 scoring offense last year, and you're trying to be more defensively minded, you know, if that's coming at the expense of that, offensive firepower diminishing and your top players taking a step back and looking uncomfortable out there, looking like just a very evident lack of chemistry, looking very disjointed lack of, of clean passes, these brutal stretch passes, you know, we talked about the last few episodes, how just their, their zone exits have been terrible as forwards are exiting the zone way too early and are getting high up the neutral zone. And it leaves the defenseman in a top position with having to make, again, like these long breakout passes that just get broken up in the neutral zone and lead to turnovers, you know, it gets to a point that it's like, how long can you continue to just keep shooting yourself in the foot over and over and over again here? 
And you made a great point there, Taylor, that it took them 35 games to seemingly shed this new defensive system and, and go back to or this new system and go back to what was working for them last year. But we're still seeing the negative ramifications for some of these guys. And Darlene obviously is at, at the top of that list. And so what's interesting from the quote that jumped out at me is Darlene starting it off saying, I've been thinking about it the last two days here and what the team needs right now is a steady decor. Is Darlene really thinking about that or is that coming from coaching, as you had said before? Because there's two sides of that coin. The first is, one, if it is coming from coaching, then that just shows a complete and total lack of understanding of what this team needs to be successful, what makes this team good. And it also is directly not playing into your core players' strengths. The other side of that coin is, if this is coming from Darlene, what does that say about the coaching staff that they're not stepping in and saying, no, this is not what we need right now. What we need is for you to be the, you know, <laughs> the, the, the 80 plus million dollar defenseman that we just paid you to be, you know, guys don't get the contracts that Rasmus Stalin just got because of their defensive play alone. They get that because of their offensive generation and their point production totals and their scoring ability and being able to make a difference offensively and like I, I don't want to be paying Rasmus Dahlin all of this money to be focusing on an area of his game that's not his strong suit like it's not even like it's a matter of like he's trying to round out the defensive side of his game as we said before the defensive side of his game was already fine like with what it was he's yeah. not Darmelson you know he's not some uh, unbelievable defensive defenseman that is going to just like consistently lock teams down and and not really provide much on the offensive end, but is reliable there. No, like what we want from him is the excitement, is the creativity, is him being a difference maker out there. We saw last year how many times he has the ability to take over games as a defenseman. And there's maybe only four or five other defensemen in the league right now who can do that to the same level that we saw Darlene do that last year. And so Again, like it's either on Darlene or it's on the coaching staff, I think for me, either way, because it's either coming from them or they're not doing enough to step in and say, hey, no, like we need you to play your game. You know, like you playing this style ended up getting the last coach fired and it ended up putting your team going into a spiral, losing 10 plus games in a row. It led to people questioning what his long-term future was on this team and what kind of player we actually had here. And so, like, I get it. Like, Darlene feels like he's got to do a lot and he has to carry the load and all of that. And he wants to be a leader. He has the letter now. Seemingly, he's going to be the guy after Tuck moves on. I have my thoughts about that now, I think. That has really, I think, changed my perception a little bit this season. But we can get to that another time. But it just comes back to coaching for me. I'm not trying to rag on Granado. I'm not trying to rag on the coaching staff or the front office or anything like that. But this is your job. Your job is to make these corrections and to get these guys in line and put them in positions to maximize their skill level and their talent and what makes them special. And he's just not doing that, both structurally and from a pairing perspective, by continuing to play him with Matias Samuelson. Yeah. yeah I was, was almost going to say, like, what is he do you how big of an issue do you think it is that they don't have a reliable partner for him to play with? And how big of an issue is it that 
he feels like he has to cover more defensively because no one else is. Yep. But yeah, I guess so. That's basically just what I was going to say. It's kind of an unanswerable question for anyone besides Rasmus Dahlin. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, to your other point, their coaching staff needs to be talking to him like, look, you, we can't have the mistakes that we have. We can't have you uh, throwing kind of lazy, unfocused passes and in the neutral zone. But we do need you to be an important offensive player. And it shouldn't be too much to ask for someone that makes $11 million to be a very good player on the rush like last year, almost a point of game defenseman, hopefully, a lot of assists and all that, while also being good and responsible in your own zone to some extent. Like you said, no one expects him to be uh, Chalmerson. Is there a better example now of like the – I know. I, we always go to him as like the – who would be – like Jacob Slavin. We don't need him to be Jacob Slavin. Yeah. There we yeah. go. But, you know who would be good, uh, a good Jacob Slavin type player for the Sabres? Who's that? Jacob Slavin. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. I would love to go out and get him. Man. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's 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 very frustrating. It's incredibly frustrating. I would think what a coming into the year, I would have said Darlene would be the person I think I trust the most to have a great year just because I love Tage, but. I think I would trust him 10% less than Darlene to have yeah. a great year. And then, you know, everyone else is a little bit less than that as well. Sure. Taylor, do we want to hear a word from our sponsors before we uh, carry on this conversation? Sure. Do we want to hear a positive word before we go to the sponsors real quick? Sure. Lay it positive on. Positive aspect. The Dallas Cowboys are about to go into halftime down 27 nothing. Oh, we love that. Jordan love loves it. Yeah. Well, Dak. Dak uh, has thrown one of those touchdowns to Green Bay and almost threw another. You know what, Taylor? The people have been saying it's it's going to be Trey Lance time soon. <laughs> oh man, I hadn't even thought about that. I thought I thought you were going to say it's Jim Harbaugh time. Oh, that too, I guess. Yeah, that's a get move that Jerry to... should pull the trigger on. That's for sure. Yeah, Mike McCarthy, get le- ready to learn Canadian, buddy. <laughs> anyway, this episode is brought to you by DraftKings. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet five bucks and get two hundred instantly in bonus bets so for example maybe listening to this today this afternoon monday saber sharks uh the sharks are the worst team in the nhl right now by points record everything and the money line reflects that it is the the sabers are minus or sorry plus 258 favorites so wow or minus 258 yeah gotta be the best it's been for the sabers this year yeah it's probably the best it'll be for a while uh, this is a historically bad team. You know what? I don't. Did the Blackhawks already come here this year? I don't remember. Anyway, no. so when they come here, oh, maybe they'll be yeah. similar. Yeah, probably similar later in the year. Anyway, download the DraftKings well, Sportsbook the next day, now. right? Two days later, I mean. I thought that was in Chicago. No, that's home. Oh, that's home. Oh yeah. Oh okay. So yeah, they're in that... the middle of a six-game homestand right now. That's right. I heard that when I went to the Seattle. That they game. are my bad. One okay, and two so... through. <laughs> Let's see what the line ends up being for that one, because these will be the two best of the year for the Sabres. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with promo code THPN. New customers bet just 5 bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Connecticut help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 
21 and over, but age will vary by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. CDKNG.com slash hockey for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. All right. Uh, so earlier you were talking about the Sabres winning five in a row to get back into it, I guess you would say, to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. I would say that's the minimum for me to consider what things would be like for me to consider the idea that they could make a run this year. Uh, that would be the start. And I don't think people realize how hard it is once you dig a hole to to get out of it. The Oilers started this year terribly. You might remember terrible October and first half of November. And it, they were 5-12-1, and one, maybe 5-12-2. and two. They have won 18 of 21 games since then. They're 18-3 and three over almost two months. Oh, baby. Do you, know, do you know what seed they are right now in the West? Where are they? Eight. And they're tied with Seattle in points, so they could easily be ninth. And, no, I should say that they are, they're also miserable. <laughs> yeah. Really into it. You know, they, they really look at it right now. They have 47 man. and 39 games. So, you know, they're only a point back of LA for third in the division. Vegas is in the firing striking zone right now. Vegas has been really cold of late. So they could still do it. And they've won 10 in a row, the Oilers have. But that's what it takes to get back into it. Yeah. So, you know, you have to do that. Right. And it, and it makes you want to is, is this team capable of, of doing that? I, I will hmm. say, though, I guess it's no. Back. Oh, go ahead. My guess is no, they're not capable of doing it. I would agree with that. I, I do want to go back, though, Taylor, because I do think it's worthwhile to acknowledge the big positive from that game, which was UPL's performance. Obviously, we know everybody. There's, there's no silver linings. There's no, you know, pat on the backs after losses or anything like that. UPL played a hell of a game, I thought, in this one against a very good Vancouver team that moves the puck so incredibly well. So I just wanted to give him some some props there as well and ask you with regard to UPL, how do you feel about the breakdown with him and Levi moving forward here? Do you think that it's time for the Sabres to like really lean on UPL here for this next stretch and see what happens? What do you think the, the breakdown of the goalie start should be here moving forward? I think basically uh, UPL should be playing what I would call the starters, the modern starters ball which is to say not that many games, but he should play when it's not a back-to-back and it's not like four and seven nights or something like that. I think you want to see him play. Not that you don't want to see. I think you should basically be try to strive for two UPL games for every Levi game, which I don't love as a concept because Levi is not playing as much as he should be if he wants to get ready for, you know, full starters workload. But that's why he should be in the fucking AHL. Yeah. Like that's that I can't keep saying that because it's not happening. But if you want to be serious about this season, you got to be fair to UPL too. Uh, we can't keep pointing out that Levi's too young to be in the NHL. Without pointing out that that kind of makes UPL a young NHL goalie, mm-hmm. and he still deserves a chance. I know Levi is a much more exciting prospect, but this, this is the kind of corner you backed yourself into. So as long as UPL continues to play well, should be his crease for the most part. And then, but you know, this is 2024. It's not, you know, the, the nineties when you're starting grant fear every game or whatever. Right. Right. That was the blues, not us. We didn't do that with grant fear for the record. That was Mike Keenan. But anyway, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I, I feel like right now, unless things change and change things have changed multiple times this year, but right now UPL is the one that's playing decent. I agree. 
One thing I did want to talk about with you that I've seen at the last few games and it's been driving me nuts. Dylan Cousins, we know that he has had his fair share of struggles this year. It hasn't been an easy year for him. It's It's been pretty rough overall, and he really is just a, a bit of a far cry from the player that we saw last year. Certainly not on that 70-point pace again this year. Uh, the the finishing touch is gone. It's been he's been sloppy with the puck on his stick, and I think what a lot of it really comes down to, and I don't know if this is maybe due to injury or not, but uh, it just feels like there's a lack of confidence there in his game. I, I tweeted about it a couple of games ago, where Cousins has, and, and I tweeted about it again, like bringing up the tweet I should say yesterday during the game. One of the key differences that I feel like I've seen from Cousins this year that has really been negatively impacting his game is how he is approaching his rush chances. He, I, I, I feel like I see it happen. It's like every game over these past couple of weeks where, you know, we're talking about a, a, a six foot two, six foot three, like large power forward type of player here. And he comes in on these rushes and seemingly comes to the neutral zone with a full head of steam and then either stops at like the circle or he'll try to cut to the middle of the ice to the high slot, which like, don't get me wrong, obviously works, but he's cutting into congested areas where guys are there as compared to what I felt like we saw a lot of last year, which was really good. You are a six foot three train on skates blow by a dude, use your strength, use your power Box a dude out as you're making a rush around him and go around a defenseman. Like he has the strength to do it. He has the puck skills to do it. And it's something that I feel like you have to be confident doing while you're out there. And I don't know if I'm maybe drawing a a false correlation here between like his confidence and him seemingly not doing this anymore, but it feels like it's happening a lot. And it feels like it's just killing opportunities for them. At length, we have talked about how last year they were one of the better teams in the league when it came to generating quality rush opportunities. And this year they've been one of the worst. And I just feel like this is something that is very indicative of that. This just like stopping and looking for a pass and and just putting the puck into congested areas, him skating into these areas himself and turning the puck over and not utilizing his body and his strength to, to be able to get around these defensemen. Is this something you've been noticing as well, Taylor? And do you feel like, when you're watching cousins out there that there is just a a lack of confidence that he just really hasn't had since uh, throughout this year that he really had last year. Yeah, absolutely. I think he looks like a different guy. And I wonder if part of that is it's, it's something that we forget a lot in sports. When you talk about regression in, in either direction, what, what teams are due for and what certain players are due for blah, blah, blah against numbers. Uh, And it's easy, way easier, I guess, for negative regression to happen. So teams riding high, uh, they get enough luck, and then what? They believe in themselves, and, you know, that that belief, I would say, belief in yourself is a lot weaker of a force than a lack of belief in yourself. I don't mean to sound like Tony Robbins, but what I'm basically saying is uh, you get on a heater, let's say like Alex Debrinkit earlier this year, you're feeling good, and that's good, but then – it ends your, your increased belief in yourself. It's not permanent. None of these things are permanent, but it'll come to an end. Whereas cousins did have a really bad string of luck when it came to shooting. He missed on a ton of close chances, the kind of things he finished all the time last year. His shooting percentage was artificially low, not artificially, it just was un, unnaturally low. 
and you would say he was due for a bounce back. But when you are in that position where you're on a cold streak, that changes your mentality, and your mentality changes the way you play changes. So it's not about keeping it up or whatever you're feeling good. It's like you might get in your own head. You might be less aggressive, or you might try to force things. The expression is always you squeeze your stick a little tighter. It's something I always thought about when it came to the Capitals in the playoffs. It's not that they were inherently chokers. It's like they had a couple of bouts of getting goalied or running into bad luck or losing big games that all of a sudden, guys who've been there a while are like, uh-oh, here we go again. That can affect affect your attitude. But yeah, Cousins, I don't know what's leading to this lack of confidence. That would be my guess that it's he had some bad luck and that led to maybe believing himself less. But that's he's right there with Darlene in terms of guys who need to become the guys they were last year again, if the Sabres want to have any chance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and again, let's go to the inverse of somebody who I thought played really well against Vancouver, who really stepped up once Matias Samuelson went down and that was Ryan Johnson. It seems like everybody among the Sabres fan base has been calling for him to get more opportunities, more ice time to be put, you know, within the top four, because he really has earned his stripes here. And I thought that was very much the case in this one with Samuelson going down. They're rolling five defensemen out there. Johnson ended up playing 2022 or excuse me, 22-22 of ice time in this one. And he was second on the team and five on five time on ice, of course, behind Rasmus Dahlin in this one. I thought that Johnson, it was more of the same from him this year. It was, it was, it was a smoothness to his game. It was, a level of uh, of up tempo to his game when you know they were in the offensive zone we had the puck on a stick i thought he was doing really well with his his breakouts there he did a great job of holding things down against uh you know some of the the canucks matchups that he was getting within like the middle six uh lines there you know going up against the second and third line pretty prominently there i thought that he matched up really well uh and just overall had, had a very impressive game and is continuing to earn his keep out there what were your thoughts on Johnson's performance, Ryan Johnson's performance in this game, Taylor? Yeah, solid. Again, it I would say that he has kind of the good thing as a young defenseman of you're not noticing bad things all the time. I think now with their respective contracts, it's easy to pick apart power in Darlene. And with their lack of anything, uh, it's easy to pick apart Eric Johnson, Clifton. And then with him being a disappointment, Samuelson too. So it's good with Ryan Johnson is that he's been a really steady performance, almost almost like he's not a rookie, weirdly. Mm-hmm. I know he's not a young fella compared to other rookies, but he's just been extremely solid all the way around. And I really like how he played. And it's weird. It's the only guys where I'm just like, hey, good for you on the defense so far this year, him and Yoki Haru. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to say about that. That's super weird. But yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to me. And I, I just, there's no way around it. He has to play. Even if he's just okay, that means he's not a disaster. Like two of those guys have been. Mm-hmm. Well it, said. It just has to happen. It, it, you have two guys that shouldn't be playing, basically, in the NHL, given the way they're playing right now. And you have a whole other guy that you should probably be sitting a few games at a time, Matias Samuelson, because he hasn't been the same guy this year. Maybe he could use a night in the press box. You can't keep sitting Ryan Johnson if, when he's playing well. I mean, you're serious about winning or you're not. If you're serious about winning this year, he has to play. If you're worried about his development, then he either has to play or he has to go to Rochester to play. There's no in between here. There's no serious? like, oh, we want him in the NHL, but oh, we're right in the playoff hunt. You're not in the playoff hunt. Your defense is bad. It's full of bums. He's a guy that has to play. 
absolutely. If, if you're serious about winning, you are icing your best roster on a night to night basis. And they have not been doing that this year. So I, I completely agree. I want to see his minutes go up. I want to see his opportunities go up, get more pressing opportunities. Like let's continue to lean on this guy here in, in his role and being a good secondary option on that D group. Uh, Taylor, with that being said, the week ahead for the Sabres here, as we mentioned before, we have Monday night, or excuse me, Monday at, uh, afternoon matinee at noon against San Jose. We have a Wednesday matchup at home against the Blackhawks. And this six-game six homestand ends on Saturday with another matinee, this time at 1230 against Tampa Bay. So a very interesting week ahead, Taylor. We're going to be back with a new episode on Thursday, but anything else we want to get to before we sign off for today? Yeah, I think just to really underscore how must-win these two are. I don't know if you agree. I think these are two of the worst teams that I've ever seen in the NHL, not just the two worst yeah. teams in the league this year. And Chicago's not going to have Bedard, important to note, too. Who will Chicago have? Can you name someone on Chicago that's not hurt? Andrew Shaw, Antoine Vermette. I don't Dustin know. I don't Dufflin think... as a forward. Yeah, exactly. Steve Sullivan. It's going to be go. like the guys on the team this year, they were already going to be a bad team, but – Everyone you heard of is hurt. Mm-hmm. It, Nick Felino hurt? Nick Felino might not be hurt. No, he's not. He just got a nice little uh, contract extension. Two years, 4.5 a year, I think. <laughs> That's very interesting. Quite uh, quite interesting. He's been having a good year for him, but also it's an aging Nick Felino. Granted, Chicago's not really going to be competing in the next two years, so Cap's got to go somewhere. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you something about that, but real quick, what I was going to say basically was that Chicago is like the worst team, one of the worst rosters, probably the second worst roster, minus everyone who's worth a damn. Like Corey Perry's off the team. Taylor Hall's out for the year. Bedard's got a broken jaw. There's more guys than I'm forgetting. Uh, meanwhile, San Jose, after their terrible start and their weird bounce back, uh, are at, I want to say, 2-13-1 in their last 16 games or something like that. It's uh, I think that's exactly it, 2-13-1. So they, this is basically their second unbelievably bad stretch of the season after they started, I want to say, Oh, 10 and one. Yep. So unbelievably bad team. They're tanking, obviously. So this is on purpose. Looking at these teams, leading scores makes me feel good about the Sabres. Like Tomas Hurdle has a decent amount of points, not what you'd expect, but then it's like, uh, Fabian Zetterlund. Yeah, baby. Chicago's like, Oh, it's Jason Dickinson. So I don't know who these guys are sending to the all-star game, especially now that the Dickinson is going, I'm pretty sure Dickinson is going for Bedard now. Or wait, did I see that? Or no, he was in one of the the vote-ins. I'm pretty sure. Oh, that's interesting. I don't think Um, that anyways, though, what'd you think of the jerseys, by the way? I'm fine with my root. I didn't really have an opinion. A lot of strong opinions out there. Yeah. I didn't think they were nearly as bad as people were making them out to be. I mean, granted. Yeah. They weren't like, the best, but you could see a lot of the, you know, at least in the logo, I felt like you could see the the throwback element in there. And I mean, I thought it, I thought they were fine. I, I really didn't think that they were like that bad. Yeah. True. So I was going to ask you, I was thinking about this as a prospect guy. I was looking at some of the guys Chicago drafted high in the last few years. Mm. Cause I was thinking about it like, Oh man, they've been bad long enough that they drafted Kirby doc third overall and already traded him. Um, and they, you know, the other guys they have, are they kind of screwed prospect? Are they in like a bad spot? Are they mm. basically like, uh, in a similar spot to the Sabres bringing in Eichel or, uh, Edmonton for early in McDavid's run? I, I wouldn't say so because they do have a handful of guys that are mixed between 
like in the NHL right now and guys that are on the outside looking in, I actually really don't mind their prospect group. I mean, obviously Bedard's at the top of that and joining him, they have a really solid up and coming D prospect. Well, I should say young defenseman on the roster right now, top 10 pick and Kevin Korshinsky, who projects to be a really good offensive defenseman. So that's a good starting point right there. I mean, then you have other young guys too. Like they just drafted Oliver Moore, who was a, a good young center. Frank Nazar, they drafted last year, who I, a lot of Sabres fans and myself included were big fans of going into uh, last year's draft as a potential option for one of the three picks or two years ago's draft, whatever. Um, you know, good, young, fast playmaking forward there. Uh, I mean, they have Lucas Reichel, who's pretty, who, who is still very young. Well, that's uh, what I wanted to ask. I want a bit of a drop off after are... that, but it, it, they at least yeah. have some good high end pieces in the system right now. They have like five guys under the age of 21 who are all pretty good and project out pretty well. They definitely don't have the depth though, that like a Sabres had a team like the Sabres has, or like a couple of years ago, like how the Kings had, um, so yeah, they're kind of like in, uh, in the middle of the pack, I guess, in that sense. Yeah, well, so they're definitely not going to compete during Bedard's ELC. Uh, but like I was looking, I mean, so like Nazar, someone I looked at, I was like, wow, he he's on a really good trajectory. But like, is it is it Reichel or Reichel, Lucas? Oh, maybe it is. I always have said Reichel, but maybe it is Reichel. That sounds like uh, Scooby Doo saying a former Sabers name. Um, <laughs> oh. But- <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is kind of concerned. He has three goals in 42 games this year. He's 21. He's not 18. Mm-hmm. His draft plus four year. I don't know. That's that's a little bit of a concern. But the other guys, yeah, more in uh Nazar look really good. And I don't I can't say Kaczynski or not, but interesting. Yeah, I mean he's been hurt for a I, I think Kaczynski was uh Korshinsky was hurt uh throughout the I think he might be actually right now, or at least he had a stretch that he was hurt before. But again, that's not an easy situation for a defenseman to really come up in as we know all too well yeah that's oh man absolutely right so yeah i mean i think that like i said they have like the good high-end pieces i mean i'm a big believer in you know nazar and more being good complementary pieces for bedard in that group uh reichel reichel whatever we want to call it you know 21 but again i think putting a guy in like the right situations and just being, you know, once this team actually grows into itself a little bit more, maybe you'll see something there if he's around for it, I guess. But um, yeah, beyond that, I think it's just a lot of guys who maybe project as like depth pieces, while obviously that's very important. Um, Not a whole lot of real high end talent coming up through the pipeline. And in fact, I don't think that they really have anybody that promising in net, if I'm being honest, too. Uh, I think they took somebody in the second round last year, I want to say. Um, but again, that's, uh, you know, taking somebody being a year removed from taking a goalie early in the second round, you have a long ways to go before that guy's even sniffing the pro level. Topias Lindonen for Korchinski, who says no. Mm, I, I say yes. Let's get after it here. Get it done. I actually don't know who the GM of the, is it Kyle Davidson? Their GM? Yeah. Anyway, get it done, fellas. Kyle, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin Adams, stop wandering around Buffalo and saying it's not snowing. Get back <laughs> in the office. Yeah, what the hell's the deal with that guy? I just, I swear Barstool just has a jackass. The, the, they just, they look for the biggest jackass in every market and we're like, will you please do a podcast? 
about your local NFL team for us uh, and embarrass yourself constantly. And these, so these are, you know, so I think they, the best examples are that Nikki smokes fellow from Miami mm -hmm. great weekend for him. Uh, and this fellow, this Kevin Adams fellow, the fake Kevin Adams who spells his name the normal way. Uh, get out of here, get him out of here. We need fewer spelling, of these guys. If you're not spelling Kevin with a Y, I don't want you. Yeah. Get out of here. Unbelievable. All right, Taylor, anything else you'd like to add before we, uh, we sign off here? Nope. Beautiful. Well, everybody, thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows and you're following both the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. And before you close out of this app, whatever you're using to listen to this episode, make sure you're either following or subscribe to us and we'd very much appreciate it if you'd leave us a nice rating or review. Last but not least, we have our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. Use that promo code THPN to take advantage of great deals. We will be back with a brand new episode on Thursday, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Sabres. Sitting on the bedroom floor.